You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, we are joined by special guest Matt Dean, the new broadcaster for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. Matt weighs in on his favorite ballparks, whether we will see minor league baseball this season, and the realignment of the minors. We also talk Andy Dalton signing with the Cowboys and mourn the passing of legendary Dolphins coach Don Shula. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. Hey everybody, it's Mac. And I am Heather. Bow down to Blue Milk and Wookie Cookies, Lewis. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to subscribe anywhere you find your podcast. And if you're an Apple subscriber, we would love a five-star review. We don't have any new reviews this week, but we do have a special guest. Yeah, we do. Joining us this week is the broad, the new broadcaster for the local Fayetteville Woodpeckers minor league baseball team, Matt Dean. How you doing today, Matt? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, let's face it, Matt's not too busy right now. We're all corona Oh, <laughs> boy. That is true. That is true. How is, it, how is it too soon right now, Heather? Dude, it's like... We're not even months. like three minutes into the podcast, <laughs> and then we're like, what, like a month, month and a half, and what would have been the season? Like, come on! Oh, I mean, dang! It it still feels like a fresh wound because I mean, like you said, we should be about a month in right now. Uh, I did get to watch some baseball uh, last night though, so uh, I was having you, trouble sleeping. Yeah. Watch some KBO baseball. There we this are. Morning, I guess. So that, well, that, I mean, you know, if you got to scratch me the wound a little some less, way, like, you know, fresh, so I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, he's got to watch that because I saw on his Twitter feed that he does not count the NFL draft as sports. No. Listen, we will take what we can get right now. OK, <laughs> it, it's an event that I care about and that I definitely was following it's just it does it didn't really scratch the itch for me as like the thrills of live sports you know so in who, the who is your okay, nfl that's team respectable i can respect yeah that. right I, I like i just i don't view it as a live sporting event uh i i am unfortunately a chicago bears fan um, no, bears, i have some family bears, in, bears, in illinois grew up rooting for the bears uh kind of you know I, I have some connections to the bears and then just when i moved to wisconsin as a kid just really wanted to be rebellious so i just kind of stuck with the bears and begrudgingly I, ever since i'm glad Ow. you brought that up because you have to be our bravest guest so far to be a graduate of the university of wisconsin and coming on the show with two die hard ohio state fans yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> It's almost as ballsy as being a Bears fan with uh, old Mitchell behind center. So, <laughs> or Nick Foles now. We have Nick yeah, Foles now. Yeah. So there's not just one, but two ways for you to be let down. This. Yeah. Know, this exactly. Exactly. You know, it makes Foles it a little will, more interesting, at least. Yeah. It, you know, at least with uh, Foles, you know, he'll break his collarbone or something by week two, uh, which will bring Trubisky back in off the bench to where he'll underwhelm us with six yards per pass attempt, uh, <laughs> while only completing fifty percent of his passes. That sounds about right. <laughs> 
So how are you doing with all the coronavirus stuff going on? Uh, not too bad. Yeah. Um, got a chance to, uh, I'm kind of hunkered down with some family back in Wisconsin. Mm. Um, so I was in, you know, it just really weird. I mean, just strange time to start a job. Uh, it's a weird time for everybody, but you know, I was kind of just getting settled into Fayetteville. I'd been going to the office for, you know, three and a half, four weeks, something like that after I'd moved in. Um, and then, uh, you know, just came up, I was like, well, might as well use the time working from home to see some family back home before the season gets rolling again. And, you know, obviously it's gone on longer than I think everybody expected back in March. Um, so I've gotten some home cooking, gotten to see some family. That's been nice and trying to, to keep somewhat of a routine just to keep some sanity. So it's been nice. I mean, yeah. you're, be- you're better man than me because I have no routine. It's just kind of <laughs> it's, it's chaos in schoolwork whenever I am getting around to it kind of thing. So, <laughs> all right. So, like, are, this is your is this your first like play by play gig? Uh, so I, I the last few years uh, I was with the Charleston River Dogs in South Carolina. So not okay. too far. Um I'm familiar with North Carolina for sure. Just, I mean, in our, in the league, in the South Atlantic league with the river dogs for a few years, um, you know, we had regular trips. We'd go to Asheville, we'd go to Hickory, uh, went to Kannapolis a couple times in the Charlotte area, uh, Greensboro, not as often as you would think. Uh, so I've been around North Carolina, not really Fayetteville too much. Um, but got a chance to, to see the city. I, I kind of applied to the job, uh, with the woodpeckers wasn't really sure what to think about it but it was the the new stadium was really exciting uh the town was really cool from what i'd heard i really loved the staff and the opportunity to work in the astros organization with with the woodpeckers being owned by the astros i thought that would be a cool opportunity Mm. um to to try something new so kind of went into it and applied and wasn't really sure what i would think of it and then was just really impressed through the interview process and with the the ballpark and the city. So I was really excited to, to get started with the woodpeckers. So yeah, all that tell me, all that tells me is that you as a bears fan are so tired of losing. You had to hook up with a team that cheats to win. Interpret <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. as you will. Okay. Listen, you had to know that was coming. I mean, yeah. I was coming from a, I was coming from a Yankees affiliate. So, you know, if I was just looking oh, for a major league team yeah. success, you know, Funny not really, story. Pretty, pretty lateral move. Funny story. Like Charleston, Charleston is the Yankees affiliate now, but Greensboro for 20-something years was the Yankees affiliate at that level. Yep. Uh, yeah, because Jeter came up through there. Yeah, yeah. All, all over the Green uh, the Grasshopper Stadium, you just see pictures of Jeter. Like, they still have him up there. Yep. <laughs> and and I, re- I remember the – we didn't travel to Greensboro that much, but I, I always remember, like, taking the elevator up to the press box. And there's a lot of D- uh, Jeter stuff, but there were – a Marlins affiliate for the longest time yeah. after that until actually last year they switched. But when I went up in the elevator, this was their first year as a Pirates affiliate, or maybe it was their last year in there, the Marlins, but it was like Yelich, Stanton, and JT Real Muto, like right after they had just <laughs> traded Real Muto. So it was just, it was kind of depressing from like a Marlins perspective to ride up the elevator and just be like, wow, they had a really good team for a little bit. Well, since you have called games before, like what's the most, what, what's the best stadium uh, and worst stadium that you've called games at? Uh, my favorite was always uh, in the South Atlantic League was always Asheville. Uh, it's a really like small, very old ballpark, but just super classic. 
in the best way. It's just unique to anything else that you've ever seen. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to ever get to a game out there. If you haven't, it's it's phenomenal. You're in I the think, mountains. Mac, isn't that the one that you said is the only minor league stadium in the state oh, you haven't yep, been to? Only one I haven't been to. That, it is honestly the best one that I've been to. I, I haven't been to all the Carolina League ones quite just yet, but it, it's tremendous. I mean, it, it is literally lodged up into the side of a mountain. There's a ton yeah. of history there. You know, Babe Ruth played there. Uh, tons well, of he's got no that here, too. Up. Yes, he, I know he has played in Fayetteville. I, I actually, uh, he actually hit his first hit professional his first home run. run. Yep. There's a lot of disputes about where he hit his first professional home run. I'll defer to Fayetteville okay. on that. I did when, when I was in a few weeks ago when I was in town. I walked past the the historic marker. So okay, there, I was going to say we official. have we have physical proof of that. We have the historical <laughs> marker. Yeah. So uh, okay, Matt, I want you to take this with a grain of salt because this is also you, you're in the state now that claims they're first in flight, which we all know is bullshit. So <laughs> <laughs> to take it with a grain of salt, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what about, but, what about the worst one? What about the worst stadium oh, that you? I mean, you know, no, no question about it. Uh, there were some great people there, and I saw some exciting games. But Hagerstown, Maryland, was brutal. Uh, I, I hadn't gone there in a couple years, but just an old ballpark. It's got some history, but kind of in the the not uh, the not uh, classic way that it is in Asheville. It's just kind of old and dingy. The press box is just on the top of the roof overhang pushed all over the edge. Um, it's just you made, the, the you made me choke on my drink a little bit there because my ex is actually from Hagerstown. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not the best place. But I mean, purely from the ballparks, I mean, it's a topographical map in the outfield. It's absurd. It, it, the town is not the most interesting one that we visit. Uh, you know, in the minor leagues, there's there's not a lot of great places. Asheville's phenomenal. Um, yeah. But uh, just just the whole the stadium is is easily the worst. And then overall experience, it's not my favorite. But well, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to tell, tell you right now, man, I am a base a minor league baseball aficionado. Like if there's a minor league team in town, I'm, I'm going. Um, and the worst stadium I've ever been into was Burlington in North Carolina because they they literally play it like a high school stadium. Oh, yeah, that, and, that is that is reminiscent of Hagerstown from yeah. what I've heard and seen of it i've never physically been there but i've worked with somebody that used to be there yeah oh dude i'm telling you and like for the merchandise they would pull like a trailer out like they they just attach it to like a back of a excuse me a pickup pull it up right there at the gate and it's just like a shed that they can drop on the ground <laughs> uh you buy your merchandise there and like before the game they take uh pictures of like famous players okay and just hang them on the fence going into like the actual stadium. <laughs> um, and like, I, you know, Tim and I are Indians fans. Jim, to you know, Burlington for 25 years was an affiliate of the Indians. So they had like Jim Tomey up there and, and uh, Charles Nagy, you know, a couple of, you know, those old 90s teams. And it's just like, Jim, you deserve better, man. Because like at this point, they're just like literally like it's cellophane over like a glossy eight by 10 that they take masking tape up and just kind of hang on the fence. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just one of those like classic, you know, it's a local from what I think from what I know, it's like a locally owned team where, you know, the yeah. owners of the team, you know, live in the town. They're at the game every night. So it, it's kind of a cool thing that I mean, I, I think we're, we're going to get into it later on. But like that's, you know, sort of starting to fade away a little bit of those types of places where there's a little yeah. bit of a charm to it where it's just the low budget 
rookie ball kind of bare bones setup. Yeah, I mean, uh, it has some charm to it. And if you can get out and about, man, uh, I'd definitely head to the D-BAP up in Durham. Go see the Bulls. Yep. Um, I do highly recommend uh, the Mudcats. Like, I love that stadium. Um, That was another locally owned team for a long time. And then they moved out uh, version 1.0 of the Mudcats down to Florida and immediately put a new team there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that stadium is really nice. Uh, You've already been to Kannapolis. Um, you know, and if you ever get the itch to travel, the stadiums in Canton and Columbus are amazing. Um, the Indianapolis Indians play in a great stadium. And yep. uh, I really one. I really dig the Knights, uh, Charlotte Knights new stadium in downtown Charlotte. That was really nice, too. So there's well, a lot of my, great options in North Carolina. Well, my <laughs> question, uh, no, it's not so it's quite so specific to teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but mine is, is, uh, like, when did you know that you wanted to be like an announcer and doing kind of that whole thing? Yeah, that's Uh, a good one. I I think, I think I, I kind of fell into it later on, uh, than, I don't know, at least a lot of the people that I've, you know, heard from in the business or that I know a lot of them, you know, were like talking about, they were growing up pretending like they were calling sporting events. I don't know if that was necessarily me. me. Uh, (laughs) I, I kind of got into really didn't get into, you know, watching sports avidly until, you know, late middle school, early high school. I think um, I grew up in Milwaukee area. Um, so I did some like public speaking stuff in high school. And so kind of got confident in doing that. And that was really fun. Um, so I did some competitive speech stuff in high school, went to college and got hooked up with the student radio station at University of Wisconsin. I was uh, going to say, you have such a radio voice. He does, right? I was <laughs> okay, say it is I didn't want to like, be rude. Yeah. I'll and, say it. I'll say it. You have a radio <laughs> voice. But I mean that with all the love in my heart. So it's no, 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 I appreciate it. I was gonna say, Matt, you're either calling baseball or you're doing like the three a.m. shift, calling the uh, the traffic. Like everything's clear on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy this uh, this tune that slaps by John Tesh. You know, like <laughs> and, 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 no, at, right? And like you guys are probably familiar with with like college radio, where it's you know. 90% is just, you know, hipster music. You're not allowed to play like Billboard Top 100 stuff. Okay, if you do first music of show. all, my college radio station was 91.1 at the University of Louisiana Monroe, and it was the alternative yeah. station. And that was the <laughs> only place that I could listen to right. like, Nirvana, it's awesome. and Soundgarden, yes. and all of that. Because I grew up in North Le- Northeast Louisiana, and that was devil music. So that was the only place I could listen to it. No, it's it's so awesome. Like, if you're just driving. College like, all, radio really is awesome. It rules. Like, like especially, I mean, in, in Madison, there's, you know, a couple other radio options where you can listen to some other stuff besides, like, Top 100. But even in Madison, which you would think, like, Super Hipster City, it's still, like, the weirdest stuff or the most interesting stuff that you're not going to hear anywhere else is like college radio. So it's great. And, and they had all that, but they also had like a really well-established, like up and coming, you know, student sports department. So we had a lot of guys that 
it's it, I don't know. It's not like a powerhouse where they've like cranked out guys that go work in sports or do sports radio stuff. But it's at the time I was there, there was like some guys that went on and did some pretty cool stuff. You know, we have some guys that are like calling games for Big Ten Network and have done some ESPN stuff. And there's just a lot of like talented people there at the time. And they've ha- had a lot of opportunities to like talk about sports and do Badger games. We would stream the games online. So just kind of got interested in it through that and decided to try to carve out a career of it. So are you like a mass comm guy? Like, is that what you majored in or journalism or? I did. I, I had like a, just a general communications degree and I got actually like a business degree in the ag school. So I was just kind of had a backup plan. I had some internships with like some ag companies. Like I wrote about the commodity trading market one summer and was just <laughs> doing like all the sports stuff, not ever dreaming that I was like going to have any sort of career out of it. And then landed my first job was with the St. Paul saints in Indy, an independent oh, team man, in Minnesota dude. and that, had a blast with that. So they, are first on my year they opened up their new stadium in 2015 at, at, in downtown St. Paul's and it worked for them and it was a blast. Yeah. That, that, that the saints are on my bucket list to go see. Um, yeah, I just, beautiful. I, if you go to the twin cities, uh, where the new ballpark is now, when I say new, but it's been open for like four years now, uh, it's right in downtown St. Paul. You can take one end of the green line from Target Field to CHS Field. So, like, you could you can line it up and see, like, a doubleheader in one day. Like, there it, there's a few oh. times a year you can, like, see the Twins in the afternoon and then take the train and go see the Saints at night. So That is so cool. Great. They're both beautiful, uh, unbelievable stadiums. They're, they're two of the best I've been to. Like, minor leagues, the Saints have one of the best. And the twins have one of the best major league parks that I've been to. Oh yeah. Target field was something else. And I, I, I like being in the same division as the twins and kind of doing the yo-yo where the tribe was good and the twins sucked ass and almost disappeared from the earth. Um, and then we went back, you know, the twins were really good and the Indians suck. And we're, we're kind of <laughs> like right here right now, you know? Um, but uh, I mean, after playing years in that Metrodome, I was like, the twins have got to get something. They have to get something. And just, I when target field open and I was watching, uh, Legally, I want everybody to know this. Legally, I was watching the Indians in North Carolina. Okay, I was mm-hmm. doing that at least. Um, uh, but um, the MLB, MLB TV is not optimal in yeah. North Carolina. No, it's it's not. But they had a special going, and that's why I paid for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, watching that first game, they played Minnesota. I was like, God damn it, man! I am a Jacobs Field homer, but man, Target Field, whoo! <laughs> So we did I have was, a question from a I, fan, actually. I posted that you guys, you were going to be on the show and opened it up both in our hometown crowd group and the Fayetteville Woodpeckers fans group. Um, Keith Davis, who's arguably the biggest Woodpeckers supporter there is, um, wants to know if you have a plan for a catchphrase for home runs or wins. <laughs> because because last year he used the uh, my, my, watch it fly that the previous broadcaster used as his ringtone for, like, messages and stuff. Okay. And he wants to know if you've got a plan for any uh, home run catchphrase or win catchphrase. You know, I, I generally don't. Um, you know, I, th- I think... I generally just try to just react genuinely to whatever's happening. That's just kind of not really my style. Um, maybe I'll, I'll do some special one-off requests. Uh, if, you know, for specific instances, somebody wants a ringtone, I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, for, for, for taking some requests, I won't necessarily listen to it. <laughs> but if you want to send me an idea to do it as a one-off, you know, maybe I will. 
Um, uh, and uh, I mean, and then, you know, gonna, I think I think specific you're be players hard on your your home yeah. run call because sure. because Mac and I grew up listening to uh, not even arguably, but hands down the best home run call in all of baseball, yeah. and that's you know Tom Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. I think he's a Wisconsin native. I think yeah. Is he? Oh, yeah. look at him! He came but, to play. He's good. Yeah. So your, your home run call is going to get judged pretty hard by us. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to lose any sleep at all he's, over he's gonna... whether you two schmucks approve of his home run call. Okay. He's going to hang up and be like, man, I'm motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to get, I mean, hopefully I'll get a lot of chances to do it because, you know, Woodpeckers led the league in homers last year. The Astros yep. are all about just striking guys out, hitting bombs. So they yep. should have more of the same this season. Both, both things that the, the Woodpeckers did very well last year. I think we set the uh, Carolina league record for strikeouts. Yep. So. Yeah, well, absolutely. Would- what what made you really get into baseball though? What why, what made that the sport you wanted to go call games for? Um, I went to high school in Milwaukee. Like you, we could see Miller Park from our high school, uh, so that was pretty cool. Like I like I just happened to be like in high school, like when the Brewers were getting really good, when you know Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder were first coming up, and people were finally getting excited about the Brewers for the first time since the '80s. So that definitely played a big part. Um, just like being around that city for some playoff runs was pretty cool. Um, that just really get, got me interested in it. And, you know, growing up listening to Bob Euchre was, was pretty formative. Uh, even all the number two guys that have passed through that have like been with Euchre have, were all really good. And a lot of them are still in the business doing stuff. So, you know, listening to those guys was fun. They got me interested in it. And, and then I think being around the Brewers success, that's what really hooked me on baseball in my formative years. Well, now I have to ask this question now. Um, I can only imagine Bob Euchre calling games in the way he did when he was in Major League. Did he do the same thing for all it's, those bad years in Milwaukee? Tell me he was drunk the entire time. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if he was drunk or not, but it, it is like the character that he's playing. Like Harry Doyle is really not that much different from Bob Euchre. I mean – it's it's not that far off. Like like obviously he he leans into it and takes some liberties, you know, with with the swearing on air and kind of just some of the ridiculous stuff that he says. But I mean, you know, like just a bit outside, he does that in real life. I mean, the the dry humor is there. Like he's just like being himself on the air. And honestly, the best time to listen to Euchre is like when the Brewers are awful and just getting blown out because he'll just completely <laughs> go off the cuff and roll into these like li- like genuine hilarious stories of like back when his playing days. And like that's when all the Eucharisms come out. Like that's the best time to listen to Euchre when the Brewers are losing like 12 nothing in the eighth inning. Oh, man, dude. Like I just I mean, honestly, I got spoiled because like um you know, Euchre was calling games. I listened. I got to hear Vince Scully, uh, Charlie Steiner, uh, when he was calling the San Fran games um, before he moved back east and, and really started branching out. Um, you know, Hamilton and and a couple of the guys like Jim Donovan, who calls the Browns games, dude. I would listen to him read a phone book. Uh, he, he's such a good play by play guy. Um, you know, like I'm I'm from Northeast Ohio, like Tim is, but you know, I'm not a Browns fan, but I still listen to Browns games through the app. Um, you know, because I, I need to hear Jim Donovan call football, you know, it's just like, I feel like I got spoiled 
And, uh, you know, now with with so much TV coverage, it, it just seems like a lot of these guys um, that are that are calling games, they're, they're I mean, I, honestly, they're trash, uh, you know, <laughs> and I that's why I like going to like live stadiums or listening on the radio, because that's literally the best of the best. Those are the best guys that you're going to have calling it because they have to paint the entire picture. And otherwise you get Jason Witten sitting there silent for five minutes while he's calling <laughs> on the teleprompter, you know, like it's just no thank you, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's something to what you're saying, but I mean, there's always just that right age when you really get into baseball that like that's always going to be the greatest of all time. Like I don't like a guy could hit like 80 home runs for the Brewers and I'm still going to be like, no, Carlos Gomez is the best <laughs> player of all time. Or like, you know, this one announcer that, you know, what Bob Uecker, there's going to be like some incredible major league announcer for the next 80 years, probably like Bob Uecker was the best like he's just whatever like that right sweet spot was when you were like first getting into the game like yeah. there's always there's always like something little extra shiny about that so nothing is ever going to top the 95 <laughs> Indians oh, right God. yeah okay uh, yeah but that's kind of in the same vein of what one of my questions was is which announcers like influenced your style of announcing Heather, yeah, you're think, coming in with the good questions today. Thank you. That one actually was courtesy of number one fans. So I, I will give take, credit where credit is due. That, that is a good question. I, I try to take a little bit from everybody. Like, I, I think like some of the best advice is you just try to, you know, I think like I grew up listening to a lot of Euchre, but I'm not, you don't, you can't ever try to be about no. Euchre. I think like no. a guy that, that worked for me one summer who I'll, I won't go unnamed, like I think he just accidentally said just a bit outside once. And like after the game, I was like, hey, don't ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like you can't pull that off. Like <laughs> He wasn't like really trying to lean into it and just kind of accidentally said, I was like, no, don't, you can't say just a bit outside. That's, that's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like, you know, and, and, and there's a few guys who, you know, they'll, they'll give a little homage and copy, you know, a couple of Vince Scully lines. And I think a little bit of that to like pay homage is fine. Um, but I try to like take a little bit. I mean, I'll just watch games when I'm, you know, sitting around bored. And if I hear like a, like a interesting way, uh, that somebody describes something, I'll, I'll jot it down. Um, mm-hmm. So I try to take a little bit from everybody because a lot of baseball is just repetition and trying to figure out new ways to say the same thing over yes. and over <laughs> and over yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah. so I, think, I think the more you could, oh, MLB TV is so great because you can just jump around and watch so many different games and watch the home and away broadcast and just hear so many different voices. And even if there's some people that I like better than others, uh, Joe Davis uh, and Oral Hershiser that do the Dodgers games are unbelievable. I think the, like I like to like watch them regularly because they're just really good. Um, but I like to like flip around and just try out new broadcasts all the time just because I think there's always like something unique that everybody does that is interesting or they give you some cool insight just as like a fan or a, as a broadcaster doesn't even have to be like for my pro- uh, profession specifically, but there's just always like something interesting that you can glean or some cool story that you can get from like the local guys that you won't get from yeah. anywhere else. Well, I appreciate the Hershiser drop because although he's always going to be forever known as a Dodger, he spent four great years in Cleveland throwing like yeah, junk, right. junk change ups and like 80 mile per hour fastballs, but he still got us to the World Series twice. So, yep. <laughs> yep. Now, is there like a broadcasting team that you just can't stand to hear? Because I have a team. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, like. I'm trying to think of like specific ones. Um, There's always like ones where I just like, they're just bland. Like there's no like ones that I can think of that. I just like 
vehemently hate or anything or I can't stand to listen to them. Um, I think like a lot of the national guys just like take a bad rap because they have to like really dumb it down for the national audience that like are just tuning in to only watch the World Series. So like I get annoyed like listening to John Smoltz like, you know, shake his fist on his front lawn. <laughs> at, like, <laughs> you know, why there's not more like opposite field bunt singles. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't like really get like annoyed with anyone. Like I definitely like think there's like some blander ones and more interesting ones. Uh, I, I think John Smoltz is the only guy that that really will will get me fired up on a regular basis. Well, I will tell you, uh, Joe Buck. Um, I want to like smother him with a pillow, and uh, Brent Musburger are the two. I just I can't. Because <laughs> mine, Mus- is, mine is they both have their Lund- niche. Mine is Vern Lundquist. I cannot. He's like a little fucking toad, and I cannot stand it through his goddamn voice. Yeah. Uh, do you know what, Heather? He, he would be number three if I was expanding it to three. For real. Like, he it's, really is. He's awful. Yeah. Mus- I feel like there are a few of those guys. Musburger's who- not much better either. No, Musburger took a turn from I called some of yeah. the best games ever to just being a creep who stares at women that the cameraman yes. focuses on. Yes. Oh, my God. That yes. was not great. Yeah, I think you both know. of those guys like became a little bit. There, there's a few of those like classic broadcasters who just like have like without a doubt like done some great games and some great calls, but they become a little bit too self-aware later in their careers. Yeah, they, uh, they like 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 Bill Raftery's like become uh, like a, a a joke of himself. Like he's just like doing an impression of Bill Raftery. Like now, like like the old like catchphrases that he had just kind of were natural, you know, saying nylon and all that stuff. And now he's just like doing an impression of himself. So I think that kind of like goes into a bucket of, of the, the classic like broadcasters that have been doing it for a while. Where they drink too much of their own flavor. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And honestly, I I think, I I think Lundquist and Musburger are both going senile anyway. So (laughs) it's just like that scene from the movie waiting where he's like, I think I'm going senile. And I, that gives me the right to flip off little kids and no one's going to say anything because I'm an old crazy man, you know, like, well, well, but see, but see my, my second favorite is the second part of that duo with Gary Danielson. Yeah. Danielson's good. Yeah. But the two of them together, I swear to God, do you, y'all don't even know how many times, how many beer bottles have almost been thrown at my television (laughs) over the two of them. Well, let, let's let's turn to something a little bit more serious, and that's you know with with the virus going on, minor league baseball's probably, I mean, is as far as sports are concerned, probably going to be the hardest hit. Do you think we'll see Woodpeckers baseball this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, th- I think it's it's really tough, and I think uh, you know us being a, more closely tied to the Astros, like they've been pretty uh transparent with us and like what the discussions are going on and everything and you know honestly i mean you're hearing about all these plans in the news of of trying to get major league baseball back and i mean at this point uh i think it's just you know you know hopefully at at the earliest we'll see something late june early july but no one really knows yeah so there was actually a leak right before we started uh coming out of the cleveland camp about yeah uh indians have told their players to be prepared for camp to begin on right. June 10th and opening day, July 1st. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think like I saw that too earlier today and I think it's, you know, in it, they said that it's a flexible moving target or what yeah, right. exact wording was. So yeah, like it's always like the old, you know, phrase of like, you know, plan for the worst or whatever, but yeah. 
yeah, so plan for the worst, hope for the best. best. Yeah. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. So, I, I mean, honestly, that's people are trying to do everything they can to give people something to watch. Get, I think I think there's a pretty good chance we're going to get some baseball in the major leagues on TV for people to watch at minimum. At yeah, but what about, year. you know, locally or will we see, do you think we'll see any woodpeckers this season? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, uh, I think like we have a chance for sure. Just like the way you see baseball uh, being played like overseas. And we were talking about watching the KBO game the other night. Um, so yeah, I think you're just like waiting for the check, the check marks mm-hmm. uh, to, to fall into place and, and see if it shakes out, but you got to see some major league baseball with no fans first. And then I think yeah. you keep looking ahead and, and hopefully see uh, a path for for minor league baseball to return down the road. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's they they've been like pretty transparent with us, but the the transparency is like a lot of people just don't know. And there's right. there's a lot of plans being done, and there's a lot of incentives for for there to be baseball to be played. But obviously, only only going to do it if it's the right thing to do yeah. for the safety of everybody involved. Well, with that being said, also Matt, um, are you do you think with everything that's happened? Um, are you going to see less and less, uh, you know, privately owned teams, you know, independent teams rather than the parent club owning them, uh, just because of the financial, uh, issues that are going to prop up for those, those independent owners? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, um, I think it definitely is, you know, you can see it's like changing the equation for, uh, the discussions about how many minor league baseball teams there's going to be next season, uh, you know, there was a big pushback when there was that initial plan that that 42 teams were were going to basically be be dropped out of being affiliated baseball for next year, and, and minor league baseball was was pushing back on that. Um, it's you know, it's, there's a lot of factors being played in that, and and I like this has just been unfortunate timing for a lot of those you know essentially small businesses that are struggling in all facets of the economy right now. Yeah. So like baseball is just another example where a lot of like the locally owned, smaller owned business teams uh, of minor league baseball are, are really especially struggling right now. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that that probably changes the the bargaining for how many teams are going to be back next year. Obviously the woodpeckers are, are in great standing being a yeah. part of the Astros organization. That's huge. Are, are more teams going to look to that? Um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think the woodpeckers are a good example because I think traditionally uh, the, the major league owned teams are usually like the like ones that I'd seen with the Braves are a, a lot of times were like, you'd go to the park. They did okay for attendance, but that didn't seem like that was the prime directive of the organization to like really draw fans. So it was always like a good hand in hand relationship where minor league baseball just did a really good job of providing other reasons to come to the game besides the baseball. They draw the fans. Major League Baseball provides the players. And so you can see some good talent. The players really uh, get a lot out of growing and developing with playing in front of the big crowds. And uh, the Woodpeckers, though, I mean, have in their first season, we did a really good job of of making it about the fun and the entertainment uh, off the field. Um, and that was like a way that I, I hadn't really seen, um, from my brief glimpses at like some other organizations that own their teams. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's like a, a model that the woodpeckers are showing off. That's really working, uh, with the major league owned, uh, franchise being your, your owner. So it's a little bit more of a safety net for an area like this. I don't know if that's going to lead to a bigger trend or not, but it's definitely an interesting, interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I am so bummed out that I missed out 
last season yeah. on it. Um, because Did you I, not get to I, any games last I year? I didn't get to any games oh. last year. And I heard they were so good. And I'm yeah, I made so it mad at myself. last year. Including yeah, like so mad all of the home games in the championship yeah. series. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I made it to about six games. Uh, but, see, I, I only ask that, Matt, is because I know the Indians have owned um, essentially three out of their five minor league teams for about the last 20 years. Um, on it, When Dolan bought the team, that was part of the – that was honestly a stickler, a sticking point for when um, he bought it from the Jacobs estate was he didn't want any part of the minor league teams. He wanted them to be independently owned. Right. Uh, but, but Jacobs packaged it in such a way that if the Indians get sold, you're also buying – um, Columbus or not Columbus at the time was Buffalo. Uh, it was the Bison's uh, before that was split off, and they purchased Columbus as their AAA affiliate. Um, and I was just interested to see, you know, what you would have to say about that because, I, I mean, that that deal um, that Major League Baseball hammered through with you know the minor league uh, organ over you know the parent organization to to eliminate like rookie ball um, and and a couple double A teams and setting up another single A league. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like. It, it seems like the major major league baseball, the, the commissioner's office, and the owners just kind of said, "You know, what, we have an opportunity to make them do what we want, so that's what we're going to do now." Um, the, the, the only other thing I would add is, like, I think like the trend that you're seeing, like from the from the player development side, like just strictly from like the maximizing the talent of all the players you have, like the Astros are on the really cutting edge for that. Yeah, and they've been they were already reducing the number of teams they have. Um, just trying to like spread, uh, just have fewer teams and more control over, you know, the, what the message the players are receiving, like who they're working with. It's just easier to manage that when you have less teams. Uh, so could you see, you know, more progressive analytical teams like the Astros, like move towards, you know, trying to own more of their affiliates so they can just have more stability and like where the players are going to go, you know, control uh, a little bit more about like who the affiliates going to be and what the crowds are like and the facilities are like, I could, you know, definitely see them uh, that like becoming more of a trend uh, moving down the road. Um, But I think, you know, at the same time, there's just awesome, uh, you know, privately owned minor league teams that have like a long track record of success and those are the guys that know how to draw fans and have fun stuff going on at the ballpark. So I think there's always going to be some of those teams to it okay. for sure. I mean, I would hope so because I mean, that, that's that, that kind of, um, I guess, community outreach, uh, you know, the big league clubs try and I'm sorry, they don't do a good job of it. I think the players do. Uh, Cause you know, you see a lot of in- players independently do things in the community, but the teams, you know, they, they try and get stuff done, you know, and it, but I mean, I was imp- impressed by uh, what that front office did, uh, and especially promotions and and the social media and the community outreach part of the Woodpeckers, what they did last year. Uh, because you can ask Tim, you know, this is Fayetteville's third crack at minor league baseball, you know, uh, and the generals were around for 40 or 50 years, and they kind of went through that that horrible um, bus cycle of minor league baseball in the late you know late 80s early 90s and then he gave him another shot and it was just like there was no market for it um and I, my biggest question about it was you know we live in a really transient city like you have people leave a large chunk of them leave every four years how do you build up a consistent fan base with that and i just think that you know the front office for the woodpeckers has bent over backwards really uh 
to to make it an ev- a social event, not just a game you go to. It's it's something where everybody's going to go and they're going to have a good time doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be really cool to see, you know, 10 years and plus down the road. Uh, you know, like you, you talked about such a transient city, but I've like definitely heard from people in the front office. They're like, oh, man, like we did so great last year. You know, word's going to get around like the military community when people yeah. are coming into Fayetteville, they're getting stationed there. They're going to hear from people that were stationed there in the past, like, oh, you got to get out to Woodpecker's game and people come back to visit and they're going to bring people. And, you know, it's just going to have kind of an exponential effect where, yeah, there's like new fans that are coming in every year. But like it's such a tight knit community that word's going to get around and that's going to really, you know build a strong core of the fans that all started last year. So yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's what, that's what about. I was going to say, like, even with it being a transient city, like what you were saying, like that still kind of gives it an opportunity to every season, like reach a new audience because yeah. of that. And not just that you're, you're also challenging your, your promotions people. What can we do to put asses in seats again? You mm-hmm. know, and that you, that way you have that high level of, you know, like, you know, the community outreach and the promotions and and just the fact that they have like local brews there that people are just are in mm-hmm. love with, yeah. you know, that that's going to pull people in. And then you have well, and, and well, and another thing, too, though, is like, Lord knows people who anybody that has ever been to Fayetteville does not forget that they were ever in Fayetteville mm-hmm. for any extended a per- period of time. So, you know, why not use the woodpeckers as something, you know, positive? Yeah. Just be like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, you know, oh, oh, you're going to Fayetteville. Oh, go. Yeah. Like you said, you know, go check out the woodpeckers. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that the woodpeckers did really well, having gone to several games last year, is they didn't ignore the fact that the military was here, but they didn't only cater to the military like yeah. it it was a very welcoming community if you were one of the people who just lives here you know or you're a retiree or something and you're not actually part of the military community um they they did a really good job of finding that balance because so many you know companies and industries in this town are just like woo military we we care about the military we care about Which the military good. and good it's for like them, but right. it does ostracize exactly a, yeah. a, a certain amount of the population yes. yeah so well your your hr person need you, i need to get their name so i can send them a case of beer for doing a great job matt because they <laughs> really did they hired they hired the right people um and i haven't spoken to anybody who hasn't just thoroughly enjoyed um every game they went to uh you know i just i i've really enjoyed it uh, and that hurts coming from a, an indians fan who has no modicum of success in the you know except for a handful of times the last 20 years um and having the the woodpeckers just kind of show up throw their jock out and just start winning i was just like Dude. well and, and you know what and and to be perfectly honest like i will i will admit because i'm i am a big per- i am an adult and i and i can where I was, yeah, that's in definitely quotation marks, um, where I was one of the ones, like, I was not a fan of the idea of building the stadium in downtown, because I was like, where are they going to put it? Like, yeah. seri- for reals, where are they going to put it? And then, you know, then the second part of that was, well, we already have a team. Like, what, what about the Swamp Dogs? You know, and so, but. Once the stadium was completed and then once the season got going, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, all right. I can see this. And now it's just like, I can't imagine 
the landscape like, of downtown Fayetteville not having the stadium. Yeah, there. it's already intrinsic to the city after yeah. one year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm so upset. Like this is making me really sad that there's not a season right now. Um, like I had like a really great living situation set up. I was like, I could, I was within feasible walking distance to the ballpark where I was mm-hmm. living and uh, you know, all the stuff going on downtown after games, I heard about being really fun and just yeah. it being tucked right into downtown. And uh, yeah, you always like wonder about like the parking headaches and where's it going to go. And, and, you know, people in Even, the community at first are a little apprehensive about like the noise and the crowds that are going to come with the stadium being right there. But it's, it just, it, it's like really, really like sparking some growth in the downtown area. And, and it's, it's really cool how you can just walk right out uh, of downtown into the ballpark and vice yeah. versa. And, and that's, it, you know, it's like, it's like you think about like Wrigley field and, and a lot of like those classic like ballparks that are just like tucked in downtown. And it's, it's really, I was really going to say, yeah. Cause the only other experience I have with like a major league, like stadium, that's kind of like that is, uh, is the one in Denver. Yeah. Denver, yeah. Is, yeah. Denver is like that. Yeah. Where it's yeah. just kind of tucked into downtown and you can just see people just walking to it, you know, like, and so, yeah, like I said, I, I wasn't a big fan of it cause I've been here. a cumul, you know, like to get like all together about 15 years. And it, at first I just did not see it, but now it's just, it was always kind of cool now, like thinking about it when I was driving home, if it was late at night or whatever, and there was a game going, seeing like all the people in the crowd and seeing the lights on. And it was just, it was really cool to see. It, was, it wasn't something I was expecting to see in Fayetteville, but it's really cool. It was really cool to see. So, I mean, you, you've been, you know, not completely baseball list for the last month. You've been doing something kind of cool from time to time. You had the uh, the opening day. Uh, at home situation. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing there. Yeah. So we, we've been doing uh we did it for opening day. We did our, our opening day from home. Um, so really across like all of our social media platforms, we tried to come up with uh, a lot of the, the marketing team with the woodpeckers try to come up with how we could replicate what goes on during a woodpeckers game you know, with everyone being at home. So, you know, like played some highlight clips of the national anthem. We, we timed it out where we were posting things kind of as they would have happened during a typical three hour baseball game. So, you know, national anthem was coming, you know, five, 10 minutes right before the first pitch. Um, We simulated the game on out of the park baseball 21, uh, which is a game that I downloaded in boredom during quarantine to try to get my (laughs) baseball fix. So you can simulate, you know, any, basically any level of baseball you could imagine you can, you can do overseas leagues. It's, it's just really cool. Like for just managing every aspect of the game. So we basically just had them simulate, you know, who would be on the woodpeckers this year. And it, and it churned out a roster for us um, and set the lineup. And and we basically just watched how the game unfolded on opening night. So we wrote a game story for it. We did updates throughout the game. We, we did promotions and giveaways during the game um, just to kind of try to give the fans something to, to attach to and kind of follow as the night went along. Like we had a woodpecker game going on. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, have you been doing pretty much the whole season so far throughout of the yeah, park? Yeah, I've got some catching up to do. Like we did another game a couple weeks back. Um, I think we're going to do another one at some point, um, probably mm. next week. So kind of like making it a recurring series. Uh, I haven't checked on it in a while, to be honest. The last one we did, the Woodpeckers were five hundred 
like mm-hmm. April 20th or something. So we did, we did the education day game in late April. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I haven't simulated it since then, so I'll be like updating it to the date, and we'll probably do another game sometime next week and see okay. what the Packers are doing. That's cool as hell, man. That is cool as hell. Like, I just I played a simulator. It was a different one, but like, um, oh man, it was probably before I joined the army when like the simulators were getting like really big in like early two thousands, and I used to watch it like just hit the button and watch it just. <laughs> stare at yeah. stats man you know <laughs> yep. yep it's that exact thing well we uh anybody got any other questions they want to ask how do you see your your career unfolding man are you gonna are you gonna use the minor leagues as a springboard into a big league gig or are you just gonna be one of those i guess uh minor league landmarks you know uh like like some of these guys are i don't know i i just try to take it a year at a time, I guess. I mean, okay. uh, it's, it's like a really demanding job. You're on the road a lot, riding a lot of buses. Uh, but so I just try to like go into it every year and like, I've been doing it for five years now and like just had a lot of fun with it. So I just kind of take it a year at a time and I just want to kind of keep riding it and seeing where it takes me, uh, until it's not fun anymore. So I'm loving it so far and I've, I've got to see a lot of cool places, seen some, Really cool, really good players. Um, hopefully, a few more of them will make the big leagues over the next few years. Um, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, met some great people along the way. Yeah, if you end up on ESPN, you damn well better remember you on this podcast. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> remember the little people, okay? Please. All right. Well, my question, um, because of, because you know, I I asked our you know international baseball star, so of course basketball. I have to ask you. Yeah, basketball. Sorry, excuse me. Um, did Carol Baskin kill her husband? <laughs> uh, I did intermittently watch, uh, Tiger King. I pretended to hate it and then kind of was in the same uh, room as like my mom and my girlfriend when they were watching it. Um, but, but it was definitely intrigued. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like that was, was really edited to kind of just add another angle and story into it. I just, I don't, I don't feel like. I don't feel like there's enough uh, to to found that. She's definitely really weird and really strange, but I feel like that documentary really just kind of wanted to plant enough seeds to like make you interested in that as a storyline. So I'm I'm not buying it. Okay, you know what? First of all, that's not the right answer. But no, that's okay. <laughs> you're our guest, so that's okay. She's not in the right completely, but I, I don't know if there's enough. Uh, listen, she told us how to get a tiger attracted to your shoes, bro. She, she totally Sardine oil. She totally, also didn't watch it completely in its that's entirety. Very so I, I might have missed specific. a critical episode. She that's got her husband drunk, put him in a bathtub full of sardine oil, and then fed him <laughs> to big cats. All right, that's what happened. My, I'll defer to your expert judgment on this. <laughs> my last question, and I won't ask you who you're least interested in, but. You know, assuming we have a season, are there any players that you're especially excited to watch on the Woodpeckers this year? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you, you try to do your best, like preparation wise on, on like heading into the season and just speculation, like projecting out. Like, I mean, one of the guys that was going to be probably the biggest names you would think would be in the Woodpeckers at some point uh, was going to be Freudus Nova, the Astros number four prospect. Yeah. He was like 20, he was 19 years old last year playing in the Midwest league. 
uh, had a, you know, not like eye popping numbers, but you always like have to think about it relative to how young they are. And they're playing guys that are mostly 21, 22. So we had a pretty good season um, with that in consideration. Um, the Astros are fun because they always do a good job of just cranking out no-name guys and turning them into stars or power relievers at the very least. So there's always guys that pop up seemingly out of nowhere at this level, um, especially with the Astros that you can see. But, but you know, from what I've read with the, with the prospect reports and, and stuff I've heard uh, around the league, Froyus Novo was one of the guys that maybe has like the highest, the highest ceiling in the Astro system. So he's pretty mm-hmm. special, uh, mostly with the bat. He's kind of like a fringe shortstop, but uh, he's going to play somewhere in the infield, but it's going to be his bat that'll, that'll get him to the next level. So I was definitely excited to, to hopefully see him at some point this year. Yeah. I mean, okay. the Astros have done a, a great job just completely revamping after, you know, like the killer bees era. Um, and when they dropped off the face of the earth, um, you know, they just their scouting department, you know, their front office was just like garbage. And it seems like, uh, you know, when the new owner came in, he was like, nope, you're all fired. And then, you know, went out and hired some really good baseball people that have managed to find these guys, you know, um, you know, like the Altuve's and um, oh, son of a bitch. I'm going to forget all their names now because you're here. <laughs> Korea, um, yeah. And, yeah. All the, you know, Springer, Correa, Altuve, you know, like kind of that core um, and like you said, they, they seem to pop out like a power reliever, um, a guy who's like a, a fringe starter that can give you two or three good starts and then also pitch three innings when he needs to, um, you know, and some just great arms. Uh, and then they go out and swing good trades, you know, like especially when they brought in Verlander, who, yeah. you know, at the time everybody thought he was washed. And then he gets to Houston. He's like, nope, I'm good. You know, it's just like, <laughs> they, they just know something that everybody else doesn't. So yeah. They like. They're just on the cutting edge of everything. I was with the Yankees for the last, you know, three, four years. And uh, and there was all this new technology that was being introduced last year. And I was like, oh, wow, what is this? There's this like rap Soto camera that all the guys in their bullpen sessions are pitching with. And then you get to the Astros organization. It's like, oh, yeah, they've been doing this for the last like three or four years. <laughs> like, and, the, and the Yankees are not like behind the times. The Yankees like have a very good player development system and they have a good organization, but like the Astros have just been, you know, so far ahead of everyone, but it's just like an arms race. So they're constantly coming up with, with new technology and new information to, to stay on the cutting edge. But they're all this cool stuff that I was seeing for the first time last year, there was bat sensors and all the guys like, it's like, Oh, the Astros have been doing this for the last three years, at least. That's crazy, man. Well, Matt, we, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, we are going to jump into a little bit of football news. Did you want to stay or you got to duck out? I don't know how much I'm going to be able to provide on, on the Andy Dalton saga. Uh, if you guys ever want to break down Mitchell Trubisky, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> well, what we can do is compare Andy to Mitchell and see who got the better, you know. <laughs> I would take Andy Dalton in a heartbeat. <laughs> Listen, if it helps, I'm not going to be much of and anything actually, on this either. So, I mean, really, like, you can come sit by me if you need to. So, it's okay. <laughs> Didn't we get a little bit of Mitchell Trubisky news this week and that they decided they're not exercising his option? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even hear about that. Oh, yeah. Um, that honestly, when, because uh, last, what was it, end, end of week, Tim? End of week? Um, I think so. Um, 
after the draft, like typically you have the new league year that starts so they can start, you know, negotiating, you know, setting in stone those contracts, you know, or finalizing the trades or, you know, and signing those rookie deals. Um, but because everything that's going on, the league year kind of got pushed a little bit to the right, I guess. Um, but that was like literally the first day of the new league year. The Bears just like, I think it, the new league year started at 8 o'clock at 8.02 the Bears had a press release saying, yes, we will not be pitching, picking up Mitchell, you know, Trubisky's fifth year uh, rookie contract option. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So it's just, okay. So it's like still the rookie contract, but it's yeah. an option for the fifth year. Huh? Yeah. Okay. See, rookie yeah. contracts are set up that way. If you're a first round pick, you get four right. automatic years and then they can, the team can exercise a fifth year option. That seems like the four, the four years like just crawled by, but at the same time flew by. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> that, that feels like they just drafted him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember when they drafted him, I was just like, what in the hell? Uh, there are better quarterbacks. Um, the fact that they traded up one spot for the pick is the yeah. unforgivable part. Yeah. That, like, that's that's the part that stings. Like, it's like, like you miss quarterbacks all the time in the draft. That just happens. But the fact that they, they traded up, like, they didn't have a first-round pick this year, and I don't think they have one next year because no, of the Trubisky that, trade. Yeah, that and the, uh, the uh, Khalil Mack the Khalil Mack deal. Yeah, right. And a so, Khalil Mack deal. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not going to hate on Mack. I still love the guy. Um, I just, I never understood. You you picked a kid that started all of 13 games in college and then, um, <laughs> you know, and he played at a, he played at a school that, you know, uh, you know, Carolina who plays in like, essentially it's Clemson and then, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Tim, I, I was shocked that Andy Dalton got signed before Cam Newton did. Right. Oh. Yeah, yeah I mean, Cam oh. Newton's still looking Whoa. for a job. Yeah. I, uh, I know. Andy Dalton is now the, I think, second highest paid backup. Yeah, uh, guaranteed what eight, eight mil, seven, eight mil. Well, you uh, know what? I think he's you guaranteed know- five, but his contract's okay. eight. I okay. Well, you know what? Maybe Cam can call his daddy. And maybe daddy can get him a job again. So, <laughs> no, uh, I will never let that die. Listen, as a, as, as a Pats fan going into the season with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer um, and the former starting quarterback at Louisiana Tech, who they picked up as an undrafted free agent, call Cam. Just pick up the phone and call him. Be like, hey, pick me up, man. All right. In, in much sadder news, Don Shula passed away this week at yeah. the age of 90, the uh, the legendary Miami Dolphins coach. Uh, and remember, he coached the Colts before that. Yeah, uh, but he he's the coach behind the perfect season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, 72 Dolphins, uh, you know, he's the only, you know, he was the leader of the only undefeated team in NFL history. And, uh, you know, he's the all-time winningest coach. Um, you know, and the dude coached forever, you know, like, and he did it at a high level. Um, I think the only knock you could really have against Don Shula is he never won a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. Uh, That is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, Dan Marino, literally one of the best quarterbacks to ever put, you know, pads on. And, um, you know, I just, I was. Lace out. Yeah, Lace <laughs> Isotoner, okay, Isotoner. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I mean that that sucks, man. I just uh, you know, he was uh the the um you know, he he was kind of the the standard, you know, it was him and Chuck Noll, they were the standards for NFL football coaches when I started watching and really getting into it and um 
you know, I don't think you're ever going to see another guy like that that coaches as long as he did, uh, as well as he did for as long as he did. So, I mean, it's just, it's a shame, man. But he, he had a hell of a life, man. 90, you said 93? 90 years. Man, fuck, dude. Damn, I should have put him on my death list this yeah. year. Damn. You know, I, uh, I, I'll be lucky to hit 65, so. <laughs> but I think that's about it for news this week. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot. Uh, just all the speculation on coronavirus, so we'll see yeah. how that pans out. Fuck you, coronavirus. Damn. I mean, I mean, UFC, do, do you guys UFC. have KBO teams claimed yet? No, not yet. No, <laughs> see, Matt, this is the problem. What we do is we end up getting into spring football, picking a team, and then the league folds, okay? And yeah. I will, oh, fair. I will, the K- I will the KBO's been around since 1982. They're, they're Case related. in point, the Orlando Apollos hat that is on Max's head <laughs> right now. Yeah, I picked I picked the two best teams in both spring leagues the last two years, and they both fucking fold, man. This is <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. But I think all uh, that's telling me is we we just have to ignore spring leagues from here on out, Tim. Just pretend they don't exist. Just yeah, nope. Yeah, they're just yeah. practice. It's just practice. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. But that'll wrap it up for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd. You can get in the conversation at our Hometown Crowd podcast group, facebook.com slash group slash Hometown Crowd pod. As always, subscribe on your favorite podcast source. And if you are an Apple podcast listener, leave us a review and we will read it on the show. Matt, thank you once again for joining us. It was a great, uh, great time. Yeah, thank thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Any final words for the listeners? Uh, I am pledging my allegiance to the NC Dinos. That's my KBO team of choice. So mm-hmm. others should do the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Go Woodpeckers. Yeah, there we go. Go Woodpeckers. Go Woodpeckers. Go Woodpeckers. Go, and go Dinos. I'm going to go out and buy a hat right now. For Mac and Heather, <laughs> I am Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Bye, everyone. Okay, and remember, it's Mother's Day this weekend. So call your mamas if oh, you can. Call them. So...